It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. March Madness, JT with you. Big games tonight, even San Francisco. For our Bay Area listeners, wow, Duke and Zaga in that bracket at the center where the Warriors play. That's a cool place to go. I wish I was up there for that. College basketball tonight. I'm excited for it. I'll be watching it. We'll be talking about it. And a good week for us here. Short week. I've been moving around a lot, doing a little bit of traveling, family, friends, and all that. But uh, we're on top of all of this. Big shows next week. And we debuted this week our new series on Raider draft picks. We started off with the 60s, Art Toms, Fred Bolitnikoff. We still have Art Shell that we're going to go back and do him from the 60s. Next week, we move on to the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. And you can find those interviews at Raiders.com and LVSportsNetwork.com. As I opened up the show, Tyreek Hill is gone. And that's a good thing because the Raiders couldn't figure him out. They couldn't. They couldn't figure out LaDainian Tomlinson. They couldn't. Now, LaDainian Tomlinson never won a Super Bowl. He didn't win a Super Bowl with the Chargers. Phillip Rivers won the most games ever of any opponent in Raider history. He didn't win a Super Bowl. The Raiders went up against some pretty good players in the history of football. Larry Zonka and Don Shula and the 72 Dolphins. Maybe the toughest Raider opponent of all time, Terry Bradshaw. Right? The Steelers in the games that they lost. How could you not put Terry Bradshaw near the top of that list? We're starting to think about modern players. But for whatever reason, no one could figure out Tyreek Hill, very similar to Steph Curry. You know that Steph Curry is going to take 10 threes a game. You know he's going to do this, that, run around, moves great without the ball, and most teams can't stop him. The Sacramento Kings and the Portland Trailblazers have never been able to stop Steph Curry. He's a nemesis to him. The Raiders say goodbye to their biggest nemesis, Tyreek Hill. See, I'd rather, be, I'd rather have Tyreek Hill gone than Travis Kelsey because Kelsey eats up and spits out the Raiders over the years. But at least you can kind of see him. You look at him and you're like, okay, we can kind of bracket him. He shouldn't be able to run past us even though he does. But Tyreek Hill was a different beast, a cheetah, that no matter what the Raiders did, he got lost. And the reason he got lost is because he extended the pocket through Patrick Mahomes. And all Mahomes needed was an extra second, second and a half. And Tyreek Hill would make eye contact with him, go deep, or come back to the ball and pick up a 30-yard play against the Raiders, and they could never, never, never stop him. Now he's out of the division, but he's playing in the conference with the Dolphins. The Dolphins have Jalen Waddell, one of the fastest receivers, along with Tyreek Hill. they got a very good tight end. I don't think Tua is someone that we all have to worry about. I don't think Tua is going to lead him to the Super Bowl. But Tua is pretty good at the line of scrimmage. If he can get the ball out quickly to Tyreek Hill, See, with Tyreek Hill, you don't have to wait for him to run the bomb route, the go route. You can get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage, and he could beat you for 30, 40, 50 yards. So I'm happy to see him go. And I think more Raider fans should be talking about that, 702-365-9200. For the Raiders, what's left? I mean, I think it's glasses half full, full, don't you all agree? The only thing that the Raiders can do here the rest of the way is go out and get an offensive lineman, a good one. That would mean via a trade or... 
you know, finding a way to get one that's cut. You know, you see a player get cut, and then you're okay with that, and then you bring him in. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has just signed with the Chiefs. So that broke five seconds ago. Talk about being quick from pro football talk. Marquez Valdez-Scantling of the Green Bay Packers signs with the Chiefs. So Aaron Rodgers loses two of his star receivers, including Devontae Adams. Wow, Aaron Rodgers took all that money, took all that money, and he's a pretty good spot now as a great player, but he doesn't have the players that he used to have. So that could be a problem for the Packers there. So that's the big news story today. Also, Ian Rappaport, a free agent still out there. We'll see how this plays out. Kansas City lands MVS, part of the solution to replace Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill met, met the media today. He had a funny comment about the Jets. They asked him about the Jets. He said, who? The Jets? No. <laughs> and they, they were acting like the Jets were in the hunt there. They weren't going to get him at all. So that's where we are today. Thanks for calling in. 702-365-9200. Sarin Petro will join us. He's got the biggest sports talk show in Kansas City. He's going to join us here in a few, and we'll ask him about the effects of Tyreek Hill being gone right there in the division. Let's get out to SD Raider. Thanks for starting us off this hour. Appreciate it. What's up, JP? How you doing today? Doing great. Thanks. Good, man. Started listening back in the Bay Area a few years ago. First time calling in. I uh, just want to go over to Mount Rushmore, keep it in the division. With the, with the Broncos, it's definitely Elway. Uh, other side of the ball, easily Champ Bailey. Um, mm-hmm. Keeping it with KC. It's going to be Pat Mahomes. But it's definitely Jamal Charles right now because the man was a menace. And uh, wow, that's Derek good Thomas, Derek Thomas for the other side of the ball, of course. Uh, and then San Diego or L.A., I guess now, uh, definitely LT, of course. I was at that game as well. I mm-hmm. cried. I was like 10 years old. And then um, the uh, junior, man. Junior, you know, being, yeah. being from here and it's, you know, just seeing him and his family and, you know, it's, he, the hate was real. He hated us, and uh, when he, you know, when he played the the Raiders, it was real. It was like he was playing, uh, you know, an opposite mm-hmm. high school. It was, it was love, and uh, that's all I got to say, Jason. Yeah, that's an excellent call phone call. Day. You too. That great phone call because you mentioned Derek Thomas. May he rest in peace. You mentioned Champ Bailey. You, you start in Devontae Hall. You start looking at the players, Jamal Charles, the players who have given Raiders the Raiders fits. That's pretty cool as you went team by team in the division there. A real quick Junior Seau story when the Super Bowl was in San Diego, when the Raiders were down there playing Tampa Bay. I did my show, the entire show all week from Junior Seau's restaurant. He had, a, he had what was a bird's nest up against the roof, the ceiling inside. It was like a DJ booth. I did the show there for five nights. And at the end of each show, because I believe at the time my show was from 8 to midnight. And the restaurant bar would close around 11 o'clock, and I'd finish up the show. And then Junior, three of the five nights, had me downstairs in a cigar bar. He had a cigar bar in his restaurant. I really got to know him. And we smoke a cigar afterwards, and I'd wait for a cab or a ride to pick me up and go back to the hotel. And I really got to know him as a person. He was calm. He was very relaxed. He was a brilliant player. He was so big, he had a restaurant as a player in San Diego, he's a superstar. And when he lost his, he took his life. That was a really hard day for me because ever since then, 
I'd have him on the radio or we'd see him around in San Diego. He hung out with a fr- bunch of friends that I know down there, uh, golf buddies, and it was tough. But one of the times he came to the Black Hole, and I was in the Black Hole with Black Hole Rob and Raider Rob and Black Hole Harry and June Bug and all the old Black Hole guys. And Junior, who didn't know me at the time, came right up to the end zone, and he was mocking the Black Hole, looking at him. And then all of a sudden, he quietly flipped the bird to all of us in the front row, flipped the bird right up so you couldn't see it on TV. He didn't put his finger out. He put it right up against the side of his hip. And, man, you want to see the black hole go crazy? 30 rows of fans felt like they were going to jump into the end zone, and Junior had the biggest smile on his face. He just laughed. He knew it would get everybody going. He was a, he was a lunatic. Those guys loved playing in Oakland, the Chargers and the Chiefs, because it felt like they were coming into a real coliseum, a Roman coliseum. When they would come out of the tunnel, the Raider fans where Violator would be, they would be falling almost over the rails, screaming at these guys as they were coming out for introductions. Some of the coolest things I've ever, ever seen in my life was right there on the field or underneath that area, standing there and watching it. And those rivalry games, you'll never see anything like that in Vegas where you have a tunnel where you can get that close and see the players and hear what they have to say. I mean, Vegas is different. you got a nightclub in one end zone. It's different. We know that. But Oakland, those memories stay with me every day. And there were some players that came into Oakland ready to play. Junior Seau, LaDainian Tomlinson, Phillip Rivers, Derek Thomas, John Elway, whoever it was, they came to play. And that's a compliment to the Raiders. It brought out their best. 702-365-9200 opens up a phone line for you. Uh, this hour brought to you by our good friends at Modelo. I will have a bucket of Modelo's tomorrow. A little dental appointment. Going to have it cool off after that. And then pound a nice bucket of Modelo's. My wife tells me it's going to be 90. Backyard brick. Get the pool wraps out. Clean up the backyard and get out there. 90 degrees coming up. On Saturday, man, that's why you live in Vegas. It's incredible. This weather, these next eight to ten weeks, are going to be incredible. Jared, right here in Vegas on 9:20 a.m. Hello, Jared. Hey, JT. Thank you for letting me come on the show and on this glorious day in Vegas. Man, it's beautiful today. It is. It's fantastic. What's happening? How's your weekend looking? March Madness. Everything's going to be good. Oh man, it's looking it's looking loaded. I don't even know what to do first, man. But March Madness has definitely got my eye. But um, your conversation there, um, listening to SD Raider, uh, it's funny how regional this this conversation could be um, for my Mount Rushmore. For me, it's a uh, it's John Elway without a doubt. That dude sent me crying to my bed more than I care to admit when I was a young little Raider, and. Um, <clears throat> And for one low-key one that comes to mind, because he did it to us in two uniforms, Ooh. and because is because he also, I feel, is kind of the godfather, laid the blueprint for some of these modern-day tight ends. And that's Shannon Sharp, bro. Mm-hmm. Let me take you back to oh. January 14, 2001. Shoot, I got my party going. We're going to the Super Bowl. All my boys are there. And, man, I feel like we still had a chance, you know, up until – Shannon Sharp ripped our hearts out. I sent everybody home. I said, get the F out, man. I've never been so hurt in my life. So that dude, that dude robbed me right there. So that one yeah. stings till this day, Brick. 
Yeah, that's the Anthony Dorsett play. I was sitting, appreciate the call. I was sitting in a pretty good location to see that. And Anthony Dorsett took the wrong angle on Shannon Sharp, and I was in the north end zone in that corner in a suite watching that play and seeing Shannon Sharp run. And then obviously Saragusa falling on Gannon's shoulder and everything that happened there. That's one that got away. I thought the Raiders were a better team. There were some damn good players on that Ravens team, including Ray Lewis. You look at that team, and I remember it like it was yesterday. That hurt. That was Shannon Sharp at his best. If you didn't guard him right off the line of scrimmage, you took the wrong angle on him. You were done. All right, I'm excited to talk to our next guest. I started off with him in sports radio back in the mid to late 90s. Sarin Petro is the top sports talk radio host in all of Kansas City on Sports Radio 810, and I wanted to get the reaction of what happened with Tyreek Hill. Sarin, great to talk to you again. Thanks for doing this. And let's begin. Were you shocked by the move, or did you think KC could bring him back? Uh, first of all, uh, JT, great to be on with you, and I uh, hope everyone's uh, doing well in your world and everyone's good with the family and everything. So it's great to hear from Thank you, buddy. You. But um, not, yes and no. Well, like, like, you know, I think when the deal comes down, there's always kind of like a, a finality to it, and it's like, okay, this was, you know, quite an year. Six seasons, six Pro Bowls, three All-Pros. Uh, you know, you, you feel like that's, you know, those are the kind of players you keep all the way to the end. But rumblings kind of started about a year ago. You know, the Chiefs were reworking some contracts, rolling back Patrick Mahomes' deal to create some space to kind of rebuild their offensive line, get Joe Tooney signed. And Mahomes worked with the Chiefs. Chris Jones worked with the Chiefs. But it became very public that Tyreek Hill refused to rework his deal and create any cap room. And that was kind of the first salvo that, hey, listen, if I'm going to do anything to help you out, you got to do something to help me out. And you know, he was drafted in the fifth round, felt like he was a better talent than that, but because of the issues that happened at Oklahoma State, he didn't get the kind of money he wanted then. Chiefs signed him then in the midst of, uh, you know, allegations that ended up being false uh, around him, and he didn't get the kind of top-tier money that, that maybe he would have deserved if those allegations weren't there. And I think you can understand why the guy really wanted to be paid at the highest level. And so I think the Chiefs knew that this was a potential outcome, and I think those of us you know, kind of around the team knew that this was a potential outcome starting with last year. Now, the difference was a couple of weeks ago, it looked like they were making progress. But when the Devontae Adams deal came down, I think that put it to a number that the Chiefs just couldn't handle with their current cap situation. Well, that's fair to say that because we just watched Devontae Adams out here where I am in Vegas, and that really changed the market here. But, Soren, we, we go back a long way. I have never seen a player give one team the fits that he gave the Raiders back to LaDainian Tomlinson in his prime with the Chargers. Every time he played Oakland or Las Vegas, and you could say this with the Chargers and Denver in the division, you thought you could cover him. You knew the misdirection was coming with Kelsey and him. A play was going to start one way. It was going to filter back the other way, and he would be open. And not only open, he'd be open on the fly and get hit in stride. And I think a lot of Chief fans are going to miss that, how dominant he was. What's the reaction from the fans knowing that this is one of the greatest weapons in all of football that's gone? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's split, right? I mean, I, I think th- they're certainly disappointed to see him go, and I think your assessment of him as a talent is, is right on. I mean, he's one of those guys that you can know the play, have the perfect defense called, and he still beats you. I mean, he is a, a physical freak. I, I think, 
you know, there is a little bit of each year there's kind of been a game or two where he's kind of limped off the field. It's football. That happens, right? Guys get banged up. He's a remarkable athlete. And if there's anybody who's going to be blown by people at age 32 or 33, I think it's probably Tyree Kill. Just when you stand around him, like, you know, an NFL locker room, back when we were actually in the locker room, but an NFL locker room is filled with athletic freaks. And he stood out from all the other athletic freaks. And so your point is very valid. I mean, he is an incredible, explosive talent. I think from the fan base standpoint, though, Listen, they've, they've championed going out and getting Joe Tooney and trading for Orlando Brown and signing Chris Jones and paying Patrick Mahomes and extending Travis Kelsey. And even the people that want to say that, well, the cap is fake or at least is, is something that you can massage, know that the Chiefs have been doing that for a few years. And there was going to come in, uh, a time where somebody ultimately was going to have to walk away. And I, I think they knew when the price tag, I, I think everybody knew when, when that Devontae Adams deal reset the wide receiver market that that was probably going to be just too far for the Chiefs to go. And when they were able to create you know, a bit of a, a you know, I don't want to say a bidding war, but they had multiple suitors for him, then there was some competition, and I think the draft pick compensation, which they also need. You know, going into this free agent period, they were only, you know, they were, I think, $203 million on next year's cap, right? We're not sure what that number is going to be, but $203 million for just 18 players. Uh, you know, their secondary coming into this offseason before they re-signed Justin Reed had only one player under contract for 23. So, I mean, you can look at 22 and, and you're like, well, why would you do this? But when you look at 23 and realize that they've got a lot of, you know, rebuilding or at least reworking to do to stay competitive. They need a lot of draft picks. They need good, young, talented, and cheap players. Then this deal, you, you start to understand why you don't want to get rid of Tyreek Hill. It, w- it was something that was necessary for them to continue to put a complete football team around Patrick Mahomes. Famed Kansas City sports talk host Soren Petro joins us, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. So, Soren, I, I look at this, and we know that the Raiders, they won 10 games, but they split against Kansas City two years ago and won an arrowhead, and then they got smoked, obliterated in both those games. Justin Herbert and Kansas City are having great games, and both Mahomes and Herbert are going to be going after each other for years to come. And then Russell Wilson comes into the division, and we both have a lot of respect for what he's accomplished playing in two Super Bowls. How do you see the division now? I still have Kansas City on top, but a lot of other fans around the AFC West think they came a little bit back to the pack. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting, and, and, and I, I want to hit on something you mentioned about the Raiders having the success. You know, the, the 2020 season where they ultimately got to the Super Bowl and were decimated with injuries along their offensive line, not making excuses the Bucks were the better team that day, but certainly, you know, they played the Bucks a few weeks earlier at the end of the year and, and really kind of handled them. We're, we're working them over in the first half when their offensive line was healthier, but and the Bucks didn't really play the scheme that they should have played. They changed their scheme. The Chiefs' offensive line was banged up, and they played the scheme that the Raiders played that year. The only team that beat the Chiefs when Patrick Mahomes played that year were the Raiders and they really set the blueprint for what everybody's been doing you know how they beat the Chiefs and gave them fits in the second game was they they really pressured three or four guys they dropped everybody into coverage they went to the shell defense uh, the cover two with putting somebody behind Tyree Kill and they really the Raiders were the team everyone points to the Bucs but the Raiders did it twice that year before the Bucs where they really laid out the blueprint on how to try to slow down Tyree Kill in this in this Chiefs offense and so I, I, I do think that that was something that the Chiefs had to deal with, you know, this year was, okay, you know, uh, how do we get beyond that? And I think that's part of why the move was making to the future was, okay, defenses have a game plan and it's a good one. So how do we adjust right now? 
you know, I, I wouldn't argue with anybody uh, that, that said the Broncos and, and Chargers were ahead of the Chiefs. Uh, they haven't really gotten into free agency. Brett Veach laid out his game plan at the end of last year and said, we're not going to be active in the first wave of free agency, but the second wave, uh, that's where we think we can you know, make some acquisitions and get some things done. They did sign Justin Reed, the safety from the Texans, for about $10 million a year to, to replace Tyron Matthew, who's, who's certainly going to be moving on. But I think now it's, it's just to see what they do, because not only do they get the, the five draft picks, Three of them in this year's draft. Now they have 12 draft picks uh, in this year's draft with two picks in the first, second, third, and fourth round. So uh, they're going to get a lot of a lot of young players or have the ability to move around to get uh, players that they want at the top of the draft. But I think the $20 million is going to come in real handy. They had uh, Ronald Jones in from the Bucks, uh running back. They had Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the Packers wide receiver. They've been looking at all the uh, veteran defensive ends that are out there. If, if for $20 million loaded deals, you sign Ronald Jones, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and then throw in a Jadavion Clowney or a Hughes from Buffalo and get a defensive end, then throw on all those draft picks, then I think the Chiefs could be back at the top. But like I said, I, I wouldn't spend a lot of time arguing with people with the Broncos or Chargers that say they're ahead of them. They, they might be ahead. They're not too far ahead to where the Chiefs, with their cap room, most in the NFL now, with their cap room and their draft picks, that they, they can't catch back up before the season starts. So, Ren Petro is our guest. So, big picture around the league. I know you cover the NFL as good as anybody. Did you think you'd see – Anything like this dating back to our sports fan years in the 90s where NFL free agency, the quarterback carousel would be so massive. I mean, at every level, even the guys who were staying, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Brady retires. Rodgers is threatening to retire. He loses Devontae Adams, Russell Wilson. All of these moves, Mitchell Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota to Atlanta. Zoran, I'm blown away by this, and we're supposed to be at least talking about baseball coming out of the lockout. We're supposed to get into the NBA close to the playoffs, and the NFL just had a massive free agent signing period. Yeah, and we had great games in the NCAA tournament going on right now. Stretch yeah. run, like you said, NBA, NHL, and, and yet what's king? Uh, moves that are going on in the NFL. And the NFL, you know, I, I, we were talking about it. I can't remember who told me this, but they said nobody's done a better job of making sure that they've got a benchmark event going on pretty much every month of the year, even out of season. Like the NBA does a great job. When NBA free agency launches, you know, that, that is a great time to be a fan of the and see what's going on. But the NFL has even taken, like, the schedule release. That's a thing. And they've even made that a two-part event. Like they released the host team's, of the national or the international games, right? Like everybody here in Kansas City is expecting the Chiefs and Bucks to be the game in Germany. Well, they announced that the Bucks are going to host a game in Germany, but they don't announce who the opponent is. So now everybody in Kansas City is checking, waiting to see when they're going to announce the opponents. Nobody's done a better job of marketing their game uh, than the NFL. And and I think you know, listen, uh, Vince Lombardi called it uh, the ultimate team sport. You know, he said it's the ultimate team game, except for the quarterbacks, too damn important. Right? It is the ultimate team game, which draws us in as fans. And then throw in, it's got the ultimate guy, the ultimate you know, hero in the middle of it with the quarterback position. And that's why we all sit around and ooh and ah and spend all this time talking about who the quarterbacks are. Continued success. And we've talked about this Sports Fan Radio Network reunion at some point where yeah. we can get 30 or 40 people in the room. And we go back to Gil Brandt and Zig Fricasse and everybody that we know over the decades here. I hope we can all do that someday in Vegas. It'd be great to see you soon. We know it will be in Vegas when we do it, man. I look forward <laughs> to it, my friend. No doubt, Soren. Look forward to it there. We go back such a long way, not too far. Bobby. You can jump on the mic, please. Uh, back at Lotus, it's incredible. The guys that came from there, Cofield, Koken, 
Pete Rose, Bruce Shine on MLB Radio, Gil Brandt, Bobby Gil Brandt, the godfather who got into the Hall of Fame and all the board ops producers, uh, everybody behind the scenes. Those are magical days at SportsFan. And don't forget Dave Koken, Brandon yeah. Tierney, Clay Baker, you, me. Yeah, it was like, it's why I always call it the SportsFan School of Broadcasting because we all went on and did other things. Yeah, we all went on and a lot of people did well and kept in touch. And what I remember about those years, so this is... Right after I won the smack off, I was at Merrill Lynch. I left for an unbelievable pay cut at the time, still to this day, and was working in a bullpen to do my four or five hour show. I mean, we were on five hours a night, Bobby, weren't we? At midnight to 5 a.m. local yeah. time. Yeah. Five, a, five, five hours a night. I do five hours still a day, but it's broken up in two parts. And I remember sitting in that room, that bullpen with Zig. Mike Response, the Sports Pig, Chuck Powell, De- Chuck Powell, Sarin Petro, who just joined us, Steve Cofield, whoever it was. There were guys coming in, and just the beginning, okay, the internet didn't come about. Just when people were just start, people were starting to print stuff for the first time ever off a computer. Ever, if you had a printer and you had enough paper, I remember Bobby. There were times that Sports Pig would print out stories for Mm -hmm. his show, Mm -hmm. and it would literally kill a tree somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. He would print out, when I'm not, tell me if I'm exaggerating, 50 to 100 pages of of knowledge easily, Easily. and we'd all sit there trying to get around the printer and and find a way we could print something. To get one thing printed, it would never happen because the thing would just keep running and running. Funny thing about that, um, with Piggy, not only would he print out all this stuff, he had notebooks, just stacks notebooks. of notebooks he, he carried around with him of every the ERA from every pitcher from the last five years. It was amazing. And the rare days, and there was probably five, ten, maybe more times that Pete Rose, because he was our yep. biggest talent. He was the star of the network, rightfully so. And Pete did a lot of radio back then, and I hosted a show for a year with him. Changed my life. But Pete would come into the building every so often, and it was like the Pope was showing up, so, like the president was showing up. There'd be guys walking in. He would come in with his boots on and his jeans, and he would sit there and talk baseball with anybody who would listen to him, treated everybody the same way, and was just really kind. And that's how everybody got to know Pete Rose for the first time in Vegas. I got to know him when he was doing his shows over at the MGM Grand. Sure. That was great, too. Fantastic times. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. Uh, 211, still reserved. Let's get him up first, Bobby. 211, thanks for holding. Go ahead. Uh, he's gone because we were talking. Isn't it amazing the one time I talk about an old story? Click. I hang up there. I'm sure he'll call back. 702-365-9200. How many more players can the Raiders sign and bring in? I didn't even count the players who are coming back who are under contract and deserve to be here. A massive haul in the offseason over two weeks. Really the fundamentals of a completely different football team in so many position groups with new Exciting times in the Raider Nation brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit. It's a good football team. I think you look at Denver and Chargers and say, these two teams are wild-card playoff caliber teams. Not the Raiders. No. I uh, still wonder about that defense. 
even with right Gus, now. E- yeah, even with Gus Bradley and the four or five new starters that are in there, that's not enough for you. Not for me, no, no. Okay, John and Clayton changes on the offensive line. Wow, what a response from John Clayton. He got it wrong. Raiders made the wild card. He didn't think they would with that defense, and he had fun with it. We ran that promo for weeks, Him, uh, me following up going, not the Raiders, and he goes, nah. Nah, he was serious. He didn't think the Raiders were a playoff team, and we play that because we loved John Clayton, loved him, and had 40, 50 interviews I've done with him in my career. What a gentleman. What a tremendously good time, and to see him in person – as we talked about this earlier in the week, I've had a guest every day on, waiting on one here. When you look at what's going to happen with Cliff Branch, I could guarantee you 100% at the Canton party, which I'll be at, easily John Clayton would have came to that party. He would have stayed through that weekend. He covered and knows the Raiders. He knows the history of Cliff Branch. We've always talked about it, and he would have slid through the party and said hi to Coach Flores and Marcus Allen and Mark Davis and everybody this summer. But he passed away, and we lost him too soon. JT, back with you. We appreciate everybody at Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Remy Martin, raise a cocktail to the Sweet 16 and the games that are coming up tonight, and they're all monsters. Quickly, I wanted to mention, cover of the Las Vegas Review-Journal today, the sports page, playoff plus must start now. Golden Knights need help to make franchises fifth straight postseason. I cannot believe that says this in the paper. I would have thought the Golden Knights would be a three or four seed at a minimum to to win in the playoffs and get to the Stanley Cup. And if they got there, I would have loved the matchup. This roster is nowhere near what I thought it would be this year. I thought it was a great roster. Now it's a roster being questioned all over, literally at every position. 702-365-9200. As we continue our conversation talking about the life and legacy of John Clayton, Linda Cohn, kind enough to join us, her podcast for Hockey on ESPN. She's now on the ice doing games now for ESPN's coverage and one of the iconic voices of SportsCenter at night who was great friends with John. Linda, thanks a lot for doing this and spending some time talking about John Clayton, the legend we just lost. Yeah, thanks for having me, JT. Always great to be on with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, for people who don't know, before I went to ESPN, uh, my big break was working and getting my first uh, TV sports job in Seattle at a station known as Cairo, K-I-R-O TV. Uh, you know, and I'd be covering, uh, you know, uh, this is New York girl going across the country, going to Seattle, didn't know anybody. And until I met John Clayton and grateful to meeting him, we, you know, we're both covering the Seahawks and doing the Seahawks. And this was back in 1989 to 92. That's when I worked in Seattle before I went to ESPN. And John, I mean, we've heard all the amazing adjectives uh, to describe this man, uh, all true. And then some, um, the, the quick story that I want to share is as much as this man hall of famer knows and knew about football and nobody knew more. In every way, not only the numbers, the analytics, before there was such a thing called analytics, but just the stories and how he wrote them and told them. But he's a big hockey fan, and so we bonded over that. He's a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan, and, of course, I grew up a Rangers fan, of course, still loyal to the Rangers to this day. And um, we even took a road trip to Vancouver to see my beloved Rangers play the Canucks, uh, and it was like an annual event for the short time I was out there in Seattle working. 
but we would always uh, talk pens and rangers constantly. And it was the bond and love over hockey, actually, uh, that continued all the way when we both went to ESPN. And then he was such a staple there. And, and then everyone got to know him on a national basis. And uh, it's just it's just gone too too soon, just too soon. And yes, he he always spoke about his wife, and he's just I can't believe it. I couldn't believe it, JT. Um, yeah, it's just uh, I don't understand it, but it is what it is, right? Thanks, thanks for sharing that hockey back note with him. That's that's really why we want to have you on, and we've had everyone on this week to talk and give us nuggets like that. What was it like, Linda, when you saw him break nationally? as you were there and Dan Patrick and Chris Myers and Rich Eisen and everybody in your crew and your extended family over the years. And all of a sudden you look up his commercials, unbelievable. Everybody loves him. Yeah. Going to him for breaking news. What was that like when he broke nationally? Yeah. You know, it's funny because the commercial's great, you know, obviously probably arguably the best sports center commercial there is when, you know, taking a page out of wedding crashers and Will Ferrell, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when John Clayton played that role and anyone could just YouTube that commercial, you know, where he's like yelling, mom, meatloaf and all that. But um, <laughs> uh, just, uh, you know, you know, the 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 former execs that really helped, um, you know, uh, take ESPN to the next level, uh, they are responsible for putting John Clayton on TV. And, you know, and they did that with guys like Peter Gammons and Chris Mortensen. Uh, writers on TV, right? I mean, ESPN was the first to do that when you think back in the day. And But what, what really worked for John, not only, you know, you, you now see this guy that we called him the professor uh, because he looked like him. He was like a cartoon character, right? I mean, he looked like the professor. Um, and uh, he did this great segment for SportsCenter, called Four Downs, and he did it with Sean Salisbury for many, many years. And it was just so good. It was before First Take, before PTI, before all those shows that you had guys debating against each other. This was Four Downs, and it's like a, it was an eight- to ten-minute segment we ran every week on SportsCenter, and it was with John Clayton and Sean Salisbury before we had debate shows. So that's that's how he also made an impact. Linda Cohn, as we wrap it up. Linda, everybody that's had your success and John's success and at my level, a success, which is different than yours, obviously. Yours is at a higher level with what you've done and how long you've done it. But everybody wants to be a grinder. And he seems like he was the ultimate grinder we've told stories this week about him building his database and the travel and the radio the columns and tvs he just seems like he was a workaholic who loved his job everybody should aspire to that if they want to be great that's exactly true jt because you're one of those people i'm one of those people you know we just we don't know how to say no but we can't rest on any laurel that we might have earned by the working hard like i've always felt that there's always going to be someone waiting to take your job now it isn't um it, and i always felt also even more so jt that there's always going to be someone out there seeing me for the first time hearing mm-hmm. me for the first time even though I've been doing this for decades and you've been doing it for quite a long time, of course, you have to have that mindset 
that you're winning over new people, that you have to prove to people you deserve where you are, that you know what you're talking about. Now, I, I think when I think of John Clayton, to me, he was already uh, such a smart person when I first met him, and he seemed to know everything. I never felt that he, you know, his work ethic came naturally, you know, and when people who are smart and good at their jobs, they we don't, we don't think about it. We don't think about putting in extra work. We think, right? I mean, this is part of the mm-hmm. job. Yeah. So that's that's if that kind of answers your question, that's how it I does. feel about that. All right. If you could do me one favor with your great hockey knowledge. I grew up with the Islander dynasty, as we talked about. I think I know yes. the sport. Man, I thought the Golden Knights were an all-star team. Four lines they'll throw at you. They got Martinez on defense, Petrangelo. I thought they couldn't be beat. They're in the tank. Any word of yeah. advice? It could have, did it start with Flurry and Reeves going, and they lost their their passion and their heart in that locker room. How can the Golden Knights get up off the mat and at least get in the playoffs, Linda? Yeah, I talked about this in my uh, in the crease podcast I do with Emily Kaplan uh, because we actually had a guest, Minnesota GM uh, Bill Guerin on. And, of course, Bill, we talked about the process of landing Marc-Andre Fleury and bringing him to Minnesota for the postseason run. And, um, and, we t- and I talked about Vegas. And, yes, they're out of the playoff picture as we speak. But I still believe. Now, the problem is you look at a team like the L.A. Kings, who I was between the benches yesterday for, and I'm going to be back between the benches tomorrow when they host Chicago. They have also been hit with uh, – multiple, multiple injuries, like, you know, eight starters out. But they have pulled together from that same rope, young players chipping in, everybody chipping in, and they have succeeded, and they remain in second place in the Pacific Division. The Vegas Golden Knights have gone the other way. And, you know, some people call it the Jack Eichel curse. That poor guy, he can't get a break. I mean, wherever he goes, losing follows. But I don't think you can blame it on him. You make a great point earlier regarding the goaltending, the injuries, they can't overcome it. You know, Robin Leonard mm-hmm. has been saddled with this injury after this injury after this injury. If he was healthy, that wouldn't be the story. You'd be in playoff position. But losing Mark Stone, just to name the biggest name for me, has become just a, a rippling effect so negatively. I still have faith that they'll find a way, but they better get, get on their butts soon and get this done. Linda, thanks in a few minutes for, of your time to talk about your friend John Clayton. We're all sorry for your loss and your friendship there, and uh, we'll talk to you. I look forward to working with you again soon. All the best to you. That would be great, and thanks to you, JT, for honoring him all week and bringing in people to talk about John, and that's kudos to you. I applaud you for that. Thank you, Linda. Linda Cohn, who had a great relationship with John Clayton, who passed away last Friday, was up in Tahoe uh, skiing. Actually got it while I wasn't on the slopes, but down in the, the area, the lodge area, and it moved me. It moved me to the point where I called my producer the next day. And I said, we have to uh, do something for John next week on the radio. And everybody we asked to come on, we were able to do it. Some, we couldn't even double book. We had to turn some people down on it as we're going to do one more uh, coming up tonight. John Clayton was a good man. Hey, there's breaking news. There's a fire inside Mile High Stadium where the Broncos play. 
and the fire department is inside the stadium, and the seats are engulfed in flames. Above the city of Denver, there is an enormous black cloud that you would see if an office tower was on fire or something in the distance. The Denver Fire Department crews are extinguishing a fire at Mile High Stadium. Unknown cause at this time, but fire affected has affected the suite and are into the third level right now of the seating area. So the suites in the third level, a portion of it is on fire. Uh, the Denver Fire Department is there. If you go into Twitter and put Mile High into, tw- into the Twitter or Denver Fire, you will see it. It's in Power Field at Mile High Stadium. Smoke plumes over the entire city of Denver. Video of the Mile High Fire. I'll tweet it out right now. It's just incredible to see these pictures. Hopefully they put it out here very quickly. But it's inside and there is giant flames engulfing the seats and the fire department getting in there. I don't even know how you get in there and get up there and do that that quickly. But uh, breaking news, uh, we're covering the story of the stadium fire at Mile High. Obviously, there's no event going on there right now. Don't know if it's electrical, what happened in any way. But if you know people that live in that area, and they'll probably text you some of the pictures. That it's, it's all over Twitter right now. And hopefully the fire department and everybody's safe putting out this fire here. And uh, everybody's going to be okay and there's no fatalities. That's all I can tell you. It's all over social media and Twitter right now. 702-365-9200. We'll take a look at some of these games coming up tonight in March Madness. Thanks to Linda Cohn, who joined us, Sarin Petro. And how about our Toms today? Next week, we go to the 70s. Mike Ciani will be joining us. Monty Johnson, one of my favorite interviews, and the great Raymond Chester. We deliver old school, and now the new new school Raider content you come to expect on the flagship. Duke Blue Devils headed to San Francisco and the Sweet 16. They knock off Michigan State 85 to 76. Duke. On Westwood One, JT back with you. Hope everyone's doing great. There is a fire in Denver at Mile High. Mick Akers is now covering that story here in Vegas. The journalist here from the Review Journal, as he tweeted out a portion, he tweeted out, yikes, portion of suites and third-level seating and now involved in the fire at Mile High Stadium. And uh, you can find that all on social media and Twitter. Big story coming out of Denver as we speak. March Madness up in the Bay Area. Chris in West Oakland is there, a longtime Duke fan and a diehard college basketball fan and a college basketball coach. How are you, Chris? Doing well, JT. On my way to pick up my son now. We're about to head out, and I know I'm going to be a little shorter than I was on the night show. I just wanted to say, look, you know, it doesn't come around here very often, and the Bay Area is not a hotbed. You know, Cal and Stanford haven't been good for a while, but if you're in the area driving around, you've got a chance to see this tonight. History in the making. This could be Coach K's last stand. I've said, I hope I'm wrong, JT. I predicted them to lose in the Sweet 16. They're not great defensively. Texas Tech's really tough, especially in the interior. It's going to come down to Duke's guard play, and they're not great this year. I hope I'm wrong. 
uh, you know, I, I'm predicting Texas Tech, but I'd love nothing more to be wrong. But if you're in the area, you got a chance to go see this. This is 47 years of coaching, 42 at Duke. Guys don't stay that long. You know, Jim, Tim, Coach Bayheim at Syracuse. These guys are a dying breed, and once they're gone, they're gone. Get out and enjoy it while you can. Other game, I think Gonzaga's going to blow out Arkansas. The other, on the other, over on the other side tonight, I know John and Frazier isn't going to want to hear this, but I think Villanova destroys Michigan tonight, and their runs it coming to an end. I'll try to check in on the night show, my friend. I just wanted to get in real quick and talk about the excitement. You know, my son's the one that really got me into Duke. I was a fan. He really started loving him when he was about eight or ten years old, and this is going to be a special night. I'm looking forward to sharing it to my son now that we can actually sit and have a few drinks together, as you know he likes to do. It's going to be an awesome evening. I hope Duke wins tonight so we can talk about them and Gonzaga on Saturday, and I'd love nothing more than to see Duke and North Carolina finally meet in the NCAA tournament in the Final Four in New Orleans. The hype would be off the charts. Thank you, my friend. I'll give you a call from Chase Center tonight if I'm able. Talk to you later. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Love fans when they go to games. Calling en route to games. Think of that. In San Francisco, we know the history of basketball, Bay Area, the Warriors, Rick Barry, the success now with Steph Curry, a recent dynasty. San Francisco, downtown in the city, at the dog patch, that area, gets possibly Coach K's last game. It's too far of a trip to go last second from the Carolinas, from North Carolina, and go. You can't. It's too expensive. You know how much a round-trip plane ticket costs to San Francisco from the East Coast, let alone a hotel room in the Bay Area? So the Duke fans aren't coming. The regional Duke fans that live out west, and there's many, will go. But that's why, and it's coming, Las Vegas is going to get the Final Four, the regionals and all that with gaming, gambling, being legal, uh, being legal nationally more and more. You're going to be able to see the Sweet 16, the Final Four, the national championship game at Allegiant Stadium. You can put it at T-Mobile, but why would you? you got to move it over to Allegiant Stadium where it should be to house that many fans like they do in Arizona and in Indy at the Fieldhouse, everywhere else. We're close, Vegas. It is coming in a big way. If I, I got Duke winning it all, so I'm hoping they win. But if they lose to Gonzaga, I'd be really happy for Mark Few in that program because they got to win. I mean, Gonzaga's at a point now. They've been knocking on the door for 10 years, and they could have won three. They could have went from zero to three. Been like an Indiana run under Bob Knight if they caught some breaks and won some games in the Final Four in the Elite Eight. They can't blow this one. Timmy's a senior. They have good players. Players now going to the NBA. And they got real big-time stars in college basketball. Just to see Gonzaga possibly play Duke over the weekend would be remarkable. What a, what a television experience that'll be. I can't wait to see that. All right, uh, we talked a lot about Tyreek Hill today. A ton about Tyreek Hill. And he's out. He's gone. I don't wish him well. I never liked him as a person off the field. But he seemed to turn his life around. And that's important for people that have big mistakes in their lives, transgressions. He did. He turned it around. And he got rewarded for it. And a lot of the damage he did was in the AFC West and against the Raiders. You deserve to get paid if you do a job like that. Same with what Devontae Adams. Think of what he did to Detroit, Minnesota, and the Bears. Well, he got rewarded in Vegas. One of the biggest contracts in NFL history. You tip your cap when guys get new deals and big money couple did this week thanks to bobby for putting the show together all of our partners 
We have new announcements on a couple of new partners that are joining our show ahead of the draft. Really pumped to be on the radio every day. Thank you, everybody.